Good morning, everyone. Our clerk, Rosemary, has asked me to stand in for her as she heads off to see the family in England. And I welcome you all to church this morning, especially visitors worshiping with us. A special welcome to Elsie, who needs no introduction. We are always delighted to have you lead our service, Elsie. At this point, I'm pleased to invite our organist and director of music, Richard, who wishes to say a few words about recommencing choir practice. Good morning, and can I say again how um, pleased I am to be with you and to join McCracken Memorial here. Um, the choir practices are starting back next week on the, the 8th, Wednesday the 8th at 7.30. Um, they're going to take a very different form. They're going to be held actually in the church here and the choir are going to be all spaced around. I know that they're, they're very glad to be back because it seems like a very long time. I think it's spring of last year since there was a choir practice. So they're, they're very glad to be returning and to, and to be involved in singing again. But we'd like new members and we're very keen to have new members. And on that Wednesday, it's gonna take the form of an open evening, which means that everyone's invited. Now you're not, you're not obliged to come along and sing. If you want, just come along and see what a choir practice is like, or just listen to the music, you can come along. It's an open evening, everyone's welcome. You can just sit at the back, you don't have to take part. If you are interested, you can take part. Everyone's gonna be spaced apart, so we'll be following the COVID regulations. And really the plan is that we're trying to get more members, but there's no pressure on anyone to actually join. You can come along, see what it's like, um, if you feel like joining, you can speak to me at the end of the practice. Uh, if you don't, you can leave and, you know, there's no obligation. So everyone's welcome to come along. It's the 8th, uh, Wednesday, the 8th of September at 7.30. Thank you very much. Thanks, Richard. I have one or two announcements now I'd like to make. First of all, Everything is trying to get started. The drama hopes to get started on Thursday, the 2nd of September, and you can liaise with Barbara. Next week, our morning service will be an all-age service, including back to school with God, when we will welcome children back to church. Finally, and most of us know this, after the service here this morning, there will be fruit juice served at the front of the dining hall. This, as many will know, is a great time for further fellowship. Elsie, once again, you are very welcome. We look forward to bringing you with members. Thank you very much, Jim, for your warm welcome. Good morning, everyone. It is always a pleasure to help my husband 
Barry, and of course, to be with you all here and to share the good news. Let us prepare our heart by listening to some part of Psalm 92. It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, to proclaim your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night. You make us glad by your deeds, O Lord. We sing for joy at the work of your hands. Let us stand together and we sing our first hymn, hymn number 257, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Let us pray. Lord Almighty, we praise you for your faithfulness. We thank you that you are not only our Lord and Savior, 
you're also our trusted friend who bears our griefs as well as wearing away our sins. We praise you for your love that does not let us go. You are faithful even when we are not. Your goodness is perfect and you are worthy of all our trust. Your knowledge is far beyond us, your ways high above our ways. Lord, even you know the number of hairs on our head. You know our every thought and desire, why we do the things we do and say the things we say. Lord, you alone are worthy of our trust. We praise you for your love. Forgive us, Lord, for our pride, for our greed, for our selfishness. Help us, Lord, to see that we need you when the sun shines as much as we do in the storm and the dark. Forgive us that when life circumstances lift us to the crest of a wave, we tend to forget you. When our fears evaporate like the morning mist, then we imagine that we are self-sufficient, that material and human resources are enough. Lord, forgive us for our blindness and foolishness. Save us from our conceit and from ourselves. In your grace, Teach us what it means to follow you, depending upon you for all our needs. Lord, still our hearts this morning, that we might meet with you in bringing to you our prayers, in offering to you our praises, and in listening for your voice. In the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Bible reading this morning is taken from uh, the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 to 27. Matthew 8, verses 18 to 27. The cost of following Jesus. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, 
foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Jesus comes the storm. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We are going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. This is the word of God. Thanks be to him. Let us sing again uh, our second hymn, hymn number 408, In Christ Alone.
again, thank you for your warm welcome. As I said, it is always a pleasure to help Barry and share the good news with you all here as our church family. Barry and I are a two-in-one packet. Two-in-one, it sounds a bit like shampoo and conditioner. He is the shampoo, I am the conditioner. Of course, you can have shampoo without conditioner, but you cannot have conditioner without shampoo. Sometimes it is good to add conditioner after using shampoo, isn't it? What I mean by that is it is always good after listening to a man's voice to get a balance as well in listening to a woman's voice. I don't want us to go further about this. It is only a little illustration to draw our attention in helping us understand our Bible reading this morning as I would like to give as the title for my sermon this morning a two-in-one packet call to discipleship. Sisters and brothers in Christ, we have just heard Matthew speak to us about a call to costly commitment and a demonstration of the power of Jesus, where I think both relate to discipleship. The cost of being a disciple and the challenge to trust fully in Jesus as his disciple are two different things, but both must be in one bucket. Discipleship is a term which inherently raises tremendous interest for believers of all stripes. Throughout the centuries of Christianity, there has been a determined effort to make disciples, desiring to following the great commission of Jesus as found in Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20, to go into the world and make disciples of all nations. However, in the modern, Church, there has been a resurgence of interest in this area. Not always in how to make disciples, but even more basically in asking the question, what is a disciple? What does a disciple look like? This obviously leads to the questions of what methods to follow and what model, if any, from the Bible to emulate or to learn from? Of course, there are many parts of the Bible, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, where we can easily find teaching about the responsibilities of being a disciple. We can learn a lot from the law, 
or the Torah, from the prophets, from the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, from John's Gospels and writings, or from the practical teaching of Paul in his epistles. This morning, as we read and heard together, we can see the interesting way that Matthew addresses this theme of discipleship. The cause of following Jesus, followed by the demonstration of Jesus' power. It is clear here that for Matthew, it is not enough. It is not enough only to be a disciple, but that we must be fully trusting in Jesus as well. When Jesus came into the world, we know that at the time of his ministry, there were four, yeah, if Jesus in the middle, imagine there are four circles around him. The first enormous circle was his 12 disciples that he chose. In the second one, there were other followers, including some women. The third circle was those who showed their sympathy or their interest in Jesus' ministry because they were amazed by the many miracles that Jesus did. And the last circle was the crowd that was always around Jesus with various and uncertain motivations. Some perhaps just wanted to watch over him, some wanted to challenge him, and perhaps some just went with the flow. From our reading, we find that when Jesus saw the crowd surrounding him, he invited his disciples to cross to the other side of the lake. However, in the reading, Matthew describes to us that a teacher of the law came to Jesus and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus points out to him the cause of commitment because to follow him would involve hardship, insecurity, and homelessness. That was his lot. It would be the lot of his disciples too. It is remarkable that a teacher of the law should honor Jesus as highly as it is reported here by Matthew, for Jesus had not been educated at the scribal schools. But of course, admiration will not suffice. Disciple demands sterner stuff, blood, toil, tears, sweat at that time. Is he prepared for the cause? I think Jesus knew his heart so that he gently says to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have their nest, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. That term son of man that Jesus uses here is one that he often uses to describe himself in connection with the personal suffering and hardships 
and challenges that would characterize his ministry and his mission in the world. He knew that this teacher of law, who perhaps enjoyed his comforts too much, was not ready to be his follower. Another man, a would-be disciple, or perhaps already a disciple, was faced with the urgent decision as to whether to follow Jesus or first bury his father, to which Jesus urged him to make following him the highest priority. Now, this doesn't mean that love for your parents or your children or family is not important. But the challenge of the kingdom will not tolerate delay. Again, the challenge of the kingdom will not tolerate delay. This is a warning against missing the boat and a challenge to respond and begin discipleship while opportunity knocks. Sometimes, if we stop to consider too long, we will miss the opportunity that is actually provided by God. Although Matthew doesn't tell us how these two men eventually responded, it is clear enough that Jesus points to discipleship as being a priority. We need to be ready for any challenges and opportunities. Perhaps we can question ourselves respectively. Are we really a disciple of Jesus who wants to learn from him, to fully trust in him and put him as the first priority in our lives? Are we ready for facing the challenges that sometimes can draw us away from our comfort zone? Maybe we are too secure with things around us just as they are and find it hard to let ourselves learn something different which perhaps can be of higher value. The teacher of the law in Matthew's gospel that we read today was just an example of a person who was not ready to follow Jesus and learn from him. It is not easy to be a disciple, even a follower of Jesus. Sisters and brothers in Christ. Billy Graham once said that if you want to receive Jesus, it costs you nothing. But if you want to follow Jesus, it costs you something. And if you want to serve Jesus, it costs you everything. Remember that. If you want to receive Jesus, it costs you nothing. If you want to follow Jesus, it costs you something. And if you want to serve Jesus, it costs you everything. What does that mean? Being a receiver, a follower, and a servant. 
receiving Jesus, of course, costs us nothing. We just accept him in our life, open ourselves to receive what he has done for us, and salvation is ours. But when we decide to follow him, as I think we all have, it costs us something. We need to deny ourselves and carry our cross. This is cross. Carry means like that. There's certain weight on your shoulder, but sometimes we tend to just holding the cross, touching the cross. Jesus called us as disciples to carry. Carrying means different from holding or touching. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily, daily, and follow me. This is not an easy task. Denying ourselves means going against ourselves. I think against others is easy enough. When someone says A, I can do B. But when myself want A, and the truth is B, it will be difficult to against our will. I remember my late father one time when he saw me wearing a necklace with a cross on it, he said to me, hmm, that's a very nice piece of jewelry, but don't forget that the cross needs to be carried too, not just worn or hold or touch. Learning from Billy Graham, I believe perhaps we all or some of us have decided not only to receive Jesus, but to follow him, deny ourselves and carry our cross. We are even have decided to serve him. In whatever level, there is always a cost to be paid. Perhaps we need to even sacrifice ourselves, sometimes in terms of pleasure, energy, time, selfishness, comfort. Maybe we need to carry not only our own cross, but to share other people's cross as well. It is hard, but when we are ready and willing to keep doing that as Jesus' servants, we need to trust that we do it together with Jesus. I like this cross, and it's always on my desk, because on this cross, um, I can, you can see that's always, uh, that's always written a poem. I just knew this poem when I came here. 2000, uh, 20 years ago, in 2000, um, Footprints in the Sun. I'm sure it's very familiar for you. Um, but on my desk, because anytime, you know, I, I believe you all the same, life is full of ups and downs. 
And sometimes we feel our cross is too heavy. We carry the cross. When we carry the cross like that, I like this poem. Because when this cross is so heavy, I look at that and I remember this poem, which says that when I carry it's too heavy, in the most troublesome of my days, Jesus also carry me. Remember that. I'm sure throughout our journey of faith as disciples, followers, servants, no one can deny that there are many challenges problems, burdens that perhaps create tension and uncomfortable feelings. But today, we also learn about the power of Jesus over the forces of nature. I like to remind this again and again. The one who we follow, the one who we serve, is the one who has power to overcome the storm. The Greek word seismos, translated storm here, is generally used to mean the power and force of an earthquake. Matthew described clearly for us that when the storm arose, Jesus was sleeping peacefully. Can you imagine that? Perhaps for us only a small storm, or even being in a boat, for me even, Paddle boarding recently during holiday was enough to send me into a panic. How could Jesus have slept at that time of that big storm? What does it mean? Some commentators say, no matter how big the storm is in your life, being with Jesus or trusting fully in Jesus, we can still have peace in our heart and sleep well. But what does it mean for his disciples when they question, why did he sleep? Did he not care? Perhaps we have sometimes thought that way. Whenever we face challenges in our life, it seems like Jesus is asleep. Does he not know? Of course he knows, and of course he cares. But I think sometimes he waits for us to come to him, to rely on him, and to trust him completely with no doubt. Sisters and brothers in Christ, how big the storm in your life? that you are facing today. Do you doubt? Or do you trust Jesus? Fully trusting that Jesus has power over the forces of the storm that you have. As Christians who have given ourselves to be his disciples, his followers, his servants, we are called again to reflect about our faith in Jesus along life's journey. I know it is not easy. We are still in the midst of the COVID-19 storm, the climate change storm, which has caused 
wildfires flooding in some parts of our globe, and many other kinds of storms that we are facing today. We cannot continue our journey as disciples by finding a lake or an ocean without storm. There is no, no lake, no sea, no ocean without storm. But by fully trusting that Jesus being with us in our discipleship boat is a two-in-one packet call which can guarantee us peace. Brothers and sisters, remember this. As Jesus' disciples, you have got the privilege and freedom to access to the control center of this universe. And it is only a prayer away. Use it as often as possible. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the riches of your word. Help us to believe that you are always with us through the storm of life. As we pray now for others, we remember those affected by our changing climate around the world. At this present time, we remember the Rohingya refugees in Bangladesh, whose lives, homes, and health are especially at risk in this monsoon season. Keep them safe, Lord, in this season and beyond. Bring them shelter, food, warmth, and opportunity. Grant your restful sleep and ease to refugees who are feeling anxious and fearful. We pray, Lord, for Nepal, where in the past few weeks, flu cases have been on the rise, threatening to overwhelm the hospitals. Lord, be with healthcare workers who are now treating both complications from flu and COVID. We pray that the hospitals won't be overwhelmed and that you would bless the effort of many organizations who are sharing advice on how to save, stay safe. We continue to pray for Afghanistan and we grieve for the bereaved and the injured. Lord, give strength to all who have lost loved ones, to those who are injured, and to all who are feeling afraid. We pray for the safety of all who remain there and that peace might prevail. Be with pupils and teachers, classroom assistants, governors, principals, caretakers, and cleaners in the start back to school this week. Keep them safe and well as the term commences. We pray that Christians on staff would have many opportunities to share the love of Jesus throughout the school year. 
We pray for those in hospital at the moment, those waiting for surgery, or those nearing the end of life. Lord, what's over? It's one in your loving care. Grant your peace and healing for all those who are sick. We pray for your healing and grace. And for those grieving the loss of a loved one, we ask for your strength and comfort. For those going through storms in their lives, Lord, we pray that your grace and love would reach into their situations, bringing hope and deliverance and the assurance of your presence and peace. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. Let us sing our last hymn, hymn number 570, um, 570 and stand up, stand up for Jesus.
now, may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you this day and forevermore. Amen.